Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. It gives me so much joy to be able to chat to the beautiful Amy Chan Thakavong today. She is such a powerful, fierce, courageous and pretty charismatic woman. Um, But she's also so full of God's love and dignity. And you guys are in for such a beautiful treat as she shares some of her story with us today. And so much of it is yet to unfold. She is such a trophy of God's grace. And I know you're going to enjoy today's podcast and you're going to be super encouraged. So Amy Chanthapavong, thank you so, so, so much for being on today's podcast. It is such a joy to welcome you. Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, So guys, basically, Amy's just moved to London. And so Mm. a mutual friend of ours asked me, hey, would you just connect with Amy and welcome her to the UK? And then I connected with her and then I absolutely did not expect to want her to be my friend (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing (laughs) no that's so cool because you know when you're kind of just helping someone to settle in but I I actually found that we really just enjoyed like talking and then I heard Amy's testimony and then I was like oh my gosh Amy you need to come onto the podcast and share your story and a bit of your journey so I'm so super excited that we get to do this together today. Yeah I'm so excited to share as well and you know our first date was two hours long. I know. (laughs) Time just flew by. But yeah, I just felt so connected with you. So I'm just super pumped, guys, that you're going to get to meet Amy virtually and find out more about her. And also that you're just going to get blessed by what she carries because she carries a lot. So Amy, how come you made your move to London? What are you doing in this city of ours? Yeah, Um, I consider myself a nomadic missionary. So if I go to a city or country, it's probably because I was called Mm -hmm. and not because um, I (laughs) planned for it. Um, But basically, I was here in 2017 in London, probably my second or third trip here. And um, I was considering business school. I had applied to Oxford before and um, it didn't work out. So I was open to other schools and the Lord kind of put it in my heart. He was like, check out London Business School. Hmm. I was like, okay, that's not Oxford, but (laughs) I will check it out. So on recruiting night, my best friend, Claudia, and my business partner had um, accompanied me and she actually got to the campus earlier and I was having kind of this panic attack at the Airbnb, like, what am I doing? You know, why why am I going there? And she was like, oh, I have a word for you from the Lord. He said that in three years time, you'll be coming to this school. And you're coming not just for the education, but actually for the network. Because what the Lord is going to call you to in international business, you need this network at LBS. Super specific. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, then. Okay, we shall carry on. (laughs) 
And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to go now. So she actually left after she gave me the word and I went to recruiting on my own. So it was great. And it was the beginning of January, 2020. I was just doing a churchwide fast and praying, worshiping, minding my own business, completely forgot about the word. And out of nowhere, God says, apply to London Business School. You're moving there in September. Wow. I was like, oh, okay, right, that word. <laughs> and so I went online and I saw that the next semester for their executive MBA program started in September. So I applied, I got accepted, and um, I'm here in London now doing an MBA. Wow, 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 wow. Um, in lockdown. Right, that wasn't a part <laughs> of the description, but yes. How, how, I landed. Are you, how are you finding that? It is so hard. It is one of the hardest things I've done in life. I'm an extrovert. I'm 98% extrovert. Yeah. I get my energy from people. So to come to a foreign country with a culture that's quite different from American culture, and then to be isolated and not have community and not have church, yeah, I can't even fathom this type of isolation. That is crazy. Yeah, I've definitely, my heart has definitely gone out to people that I know that have moved over to this country um, in this season, because like you said, to actually do isolation anyway in life and not to have church and not to be able to socialize, but to do it in a foreign country, like that is just insane. Um, but just from talking to you, I know the Lord has been doing loads of things on the inside and you know I know that there's a lot of growth as with all of us in this lockdown period there is growth and there is treasure and there is um you know new wine that's coming out of the pressing by God's grace and yeah watch this space because I know God is going to bring so much goodness out of this season for you in London thank you yeah I think you know in the beginning I was trying to just reach out for everything I knew that was comfortable so that was people connection networking Um, but I definitely got rebuked by God and he said you know I brought you here during lockdown to have you all to myself and so let's spend time together Mm, yeah that's so good that was quite convicting yeah so good um, you mentioned the culture that you came from. Um, so talk to me about that. Talk to me about your background, you know, where you've grown up, what life has been like for you. Um, give me a bit of a, you know, who is Amy? Yeah, um, I'm Laotian American. So my parents are from Laos. It is a very small country. It is one of the least developed countries in the world, probably top 20. Um, and so my, my parents came from very humble backgrounds and they came to America as refugees after the Vietnam War. So when we landed, you know, we had public housing, um, had welfare. Um, I grew up in the ghetto in the hood. Um, where there was a lot of gang violence, um, girls who were getting knocked up in junior high, in high school, um, drug use, violence, drive-by shooting. That was like a normal, you know, everyday occurrence Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. that I grew up in. And where was that? What neighborhood? That was in in San Diego, California. Granted, it is a beautiful city, Mm -hmm. but there are, you know, 
like in any city, um, parts that are yeah. shady. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in Southeast San Diego. Yeah. And what was life like for you um, with your family, relationally? What was life like intimacy-wise? So my entire household, you know, a, a good hundred of us migrated and established our own village in San Diego. And there are about 2,000 Laotian refugees in San Diego. Um, and so we created our own community. It was a, a bubble that we lived in. My parents didn't have to learn English, you know. We kept speaking our language, cooking the food. Um, my entire family's Buddhist, practicing Buddhist. Mm-hmm. But the type of Buddhism that is mixed in with animism. So that's like um, a lot of like sacrifices, animal spirits, you know, a, a touch of voodoo is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, touch yeah. of voodoo, black magic. Um, and I was always super spiritual. So I didn't know God, God knew me. I didn't know him, but I always went to the temple. I prayed and I was just seeking constantly peace in my life because there was so much chaos internally. And that really stemmed from, you know, my parents coming to America and having to work two jobs. So I was left in the care of other people quite a bit whether it was aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins. And I kind of grew up as an only child without my parents around. And my parents were also emotionally unavailable, um, completely disconnected from their heart. They weren't physically present. They weren't emotionally present. So I grew up without a whole lot of love, affirmation, affection, or physical touch. And as an adult, now I realize, you know, that's kind of almost like missing limbs, yeah, because it's so necessary part of one's well-being and growth. So that was completely lacking. And so that was a setup for a girl who would grow up unsure of herself and insecure and timid, um, which is not the end of the world, just not the best setup to experience trauma and recover well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bring that up because By the time I was five years old, I was molested and sexually abused Mm. by an uncle who married my aunt. And that was a trauma that I probably could have recovered if I was in a a very healthy and nourishing home. But it wasn't. What it did was I was unsure of my worth. And when that trauma happened, it told me, you are worthless, by the way. And a lot of times the mind erases the memory so it can cope and move on. I didn't realize that it took place until I was in the sixth grade and I had my first sex education class. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think that thing happened to me, but in a very not right way. And I started to recover memory moments, scenes. And when I realized that I had been abused, the first word I heard was, the only worth a girl has is her virginity and yours was taken. Therefore, you are worthless. Mm-hmm. And that was a lie mm-hmm. I continued to believe most of my life mm-hmm. from sixth grade on. Mm. Wow. So what did that pan out like for you? So believe in that lie. How did you then conduct your world and your life and your relationships off the back of that? Oh, my gosh two main drivers that the Lord has just kind of really revealed to me in more detail. Um, One is when someone feels worthless and believes it, um, it's kind of the lowest of the low 
but you don't want to stay there because you can't survive being that low. So what I did was I inflated my worth. Mm. I propped that up with arrogance. Mm. Um, And I made up for the chip on my shoulder by being super ambitious. I would always try to, you know, win at every competition, be the best honorable honor student, get scholarships, um, kill it in everything. Mm. I can do it all. I could do sports. I can do school. I can fly a plane. (laughs) I could do martial arts. So I overcompensated Mm. through um, ambitious endeavors. um, And that uh, manifested in arrogance quite a Mm. bit. And um, another side of it was I also simultaneously became super promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And um, because power was taken from me, um, I tried everything I could to take power from men. So that meant the art of manipulation, the art of seduction. Um, and I would rack them up, you know, I would date four or five, six guys at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I would use them, abuse them. Um, toss them out like they're nothing and it all made me superficially feel good about myself Um, and it was really sick and it was really twisted and it wasn't until I was introduced to God that I started having conviction Mm. about my lifestyle and then um, women of faith who became my spiritual moms were amazing at calling me out and I love being called out and she was just like, hey, you are fishing for attention right now. That's super manipulative. You shouldn't be dressing like that. Um, you're being like, she just called me out on everything. And I'm like, who are you? Like, holy, righteous, religious woman. But it took that type of refinement to help me realize that I am just constantly asking for attention to make mm. up for a deficiency. Mm. I know so much then changed for you going from this kind of a lifestyle and this kind of a way of doing things to then meeting the Lord. And obviously I know a lot of things changed for you, but I know um, the whole relationship and sexual journey side probably took longer than other things. But talk to me about how you got saved then. Yeah. Um, I've always known God. All the prayers I prayed as a little Buddhist in my bedroom, he heard them all. And I was talking to him. So I knew that I had a relationship with him. I didn't call him God. And um, I think it was in college. By this time, I'm like 19 years old. Sex, drugs, alcohol, party, all of it, you know, the glamorous life. And I was like, is this it? Like, I've I've done everything under the moon. Like, what else is there in life? More of whatever I've already done. Um, And I started to question religion quite a bit. So, you know, every religion has hypocrisy in it. And Buddhism definitely had it, you know, baggage. And I saw a lot of it growing up. So that kind of led me to just search outside of what I grew up with. For any, all religions, I studied Judaism, Catholicism, um, all sorts. And God had started to plant believers in my life. Mm. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I was dating this like guy who was in and out of prison <laughs> and his cousin said to me while we we're together, um, Amy, do you know Jesus? 
And I said, yeah, you know, I heard about him. Um, no, thank you. My Buddha allows me to have sex and he's okay with homosexuals. Mm. So no, thank you. Yeah. And just anytime someone talks to me about God, I just cut him off. Like, nope, nope, no, thank you. But I was searching, but I just didn't want to be controlled. Yeah. I had issues with control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward, I'm now going to a private Jesuit Catholic school in San Francisco, and I'm surrounded by Catholic friends. And we're doing like ecstasy. We're doing shrooms. And while we're high on drugs, they're praying. Wow. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, let's pray to your God while we're lit, you know, mm-hmm. all good. Um, so that was an interesting experience and it was, um, two major things. God had brought a devout Christian guy into my life and he was, uh, Russian Korean from Kazakhstan and he was a very peculiar individual. Um, he was really into business and he came from, you know, a business family um, and I remember he showed up to class in like a suit and a suitcase. And I was like, that is a really bizarre thing to wear to college. Cause I'm over here in my sweats, you know, <laughs> barely rolling out of my pajamas. So it's like an okay, interesting person. And I remember going over to his house to study a couple of times and he would share stories about how his dad was a real estate developer of how his dad dealt with the mob pre-Jesus and after he became a believer. And there are these wild stories of like violence and gun and money. And I was like, yeah, that's that's an interesting Christianity. Like mm-hmm. that's a cool yeah. God. I'm, I want to hear more of that because I was so used to risk and danger yeah. and living on the edge. Yeah. So when you talk about adventure and God, I was all about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had dinner together once and at the end of the dinner he said to me um can I pray for you and I was like oh that's that's interesting most guys you know ask for my number or (laughs) to sleep with me (laughs) you want to pray for me cool um and he prayed for my broken relationship with my parents wow and he was just so Mm pure-hearted and genuine I I just I trusted him Mm -hmm. Fast forward eight months later, I am looking for an apartment. It's super stressful in San Francisco. Real estate prices are so high. And we found a broker and the deal didn't work out. She made a lot of promises she couldn't deliver on and she felt super bad. She was like, hey, can I at least give you girls a ride back to school? She said, by the way, there is this miracle church right across the street from your school. And every time I pray there, I get my prayers answered. So you girls should go pray for an apartment. And I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, lady, um, I'm a Buddhist and my roommate's an atheist. We don't believe in God. She's like, well, that's no problem. I'll just drop you off there anyway. (laughs) And it was like, God just knew the level of persistence I needed. And so this woman drops us off at a Catholic church And I go in and I'm like, look, Michelle, we have nothing to lose. Let's just go. And as Buddhists, we worship statues. So I just look for a statue. I have no idea who Jesus is or Mary or God. I've never heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
oh, I men, women are safe. I kneel in front of this woman statue, Mary. <laughs> and I said, okay, God, if you're real, I'm looking for a place, um, $500 a month, close to school, uh, a courtyard that looks like Melrose Place. Super cute. Thanks. And I just walk out. You know, being an only child, super great at being demanding, <laughs> listing out my wants. So I walked, I walked out, and two days later, I found everything I wanted. And the transaction happened so fast that I made a note of it and thought, oh, could it be that prayer? Mm-hmm. Put that on the back burner. Um, six months later, you know, I'm living in this apartment, and because I have a hole in my heart, And I bring this up because in one sermon, the Lord told me, I am just like the woman with the issue of blood. And I said to him, God, I don't have a disease. Like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with me. Why would you say that? And he said, well, she's bleeding. You have a hole in your heart, a perpetual black hole. Hmm. And what you've done is you spent so much money. So much alcohol, so many men, so many endeavors trying to fill that void. And you've exhausted all your resources Mm. trying to fix that hole. I was like, oh, okay, I got it. So fast forward six months into this lovely apartment and spending and spending on clothes and shoes and brand names. Um, the money that I probably should have spent on food and rent, I spent on shoes and it was Thanksgiving and holidays mean a lot to me. Um, I know Americans get made fun of a lot for celebrating all sorts of holidays, (laughs) but I love Thanksgiving and I really wanted to go home. And I was like, oh, I don't even have the money to buy a plane ticket home. I was like, but that's okay because I have a car, so I'll drive. And I remember I went out to my car and someone, my neighbor walked by and they're like, oh, honey, your tires, the tread is showing. You need to change all four of your tires. I was like, I I can't even drive home now. (laughs) Apparently I need new tires and they're thousands of dollars. And I'm like, what do I do? I have no money. So um, I'm like, ah, Miracle Church. So I get in the car, I drive anyways, I drive to the church and I kneel down, I pray in front of the same statue and I'm like, God, I acknowledge that he's real by now. I was like, okay, um, I'm really sorry for like mishandling my funds. I'll never do it again. But could you please bless me with a way home? And so I left the church and I like sucked up my pride and I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, you know, my tires are like balding. She's like, don't worry, you know, just put on my card. Let's get it fixed. So I go to get my tires fixed and it says the sign said 30 minutes and you're done. I ended up waiting two hours and I didn't say anything. I just waited patiently. And the manager came to me and he said, how long have you been here? And I'm like, two hours. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to go check up on it. He checked on it. He's like, it's almost done. And he called me over to the register and he gave me $80 in cash just for waiting. I'm like, who does that? I'm like, what? Okay. Um, now I have new tires. I have gas money. I'm like, wow. this prayer thing works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I called up the Russian, the devout Christian. I was Mm -hmm. like, you go to church, right? He's like, yeah. 
And I was like, some kind of a Christian church. He was like, yes. I was like, can I come with you? And he was like, yes. So a few weeks later, he takes me to this non-denomination church that was super yuppie, hippie, in a theater. Um, And when I walked in and I started to sing worship, I felt this overwhelming presence of love. Wow. And I knew that it was the thing that I had been looking for my whole life. I turned to him and I said, I don't know who your God is, but I want to know. And it was all based on a feeling of love. I was so desperate and thirsty to be loved. And so quickly, he just like led me through the sinner's prayer. Um, And then I was in a foundational course to be water baptized, baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian, but I'm like, just going to jump all in. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was still living with my boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, drinking, smoking weed, still living a lifestyle because no one told me I had to let go of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the Bible. I just got baptized. Yeah. And that can happen yeah, because we can come to God completely messy and be with God really messy for another long time. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, uh, I just love your story. Honestly, Amy, just the way that God moved. And I love how the Lord knew your personality and knew what it would take to get your attention. And it would take prayers being answered instantly in a miraculous way to grab your attention. I just love how he just entertained your ways and actually, (laughs) you know, met you through them. I just think it's so powerful. I love that, love that, love that. So Amy, I love how you've said that you're still living with your boyfriend at the time, still smoking weed, drinking, you know, the whole nine yards, but you're getting baptized. So it's like you're you're learning about the kingdom of heaven, but you're still very much in the kingdom of darkness. So relationally, and when it came to you navigating through your sexuality and like the history places that you'd had with the abuse and how that then led to you living a promiscuous life. So then as a Christian now, how did having God in your world begin to impact your sexual journey? Yeah. I wish that I could tell you and everyone that it was an overnight miraculous thing Mm. and I never messed up again. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't that just be the perfect story? It was so far from that. Yeah. It was so messy. It was so long. And it was like periods of purity and completely relapsing and then trying again. Um. I will share with you a significant uh, story that healed my identity. Um, So, you know, actually shortly after I was baptized, I didn't have a desire to smoke anymore. I was like, I kind of don't want to do weed anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even read the Bible yet. And I went home one day and I told my boyfriend, I was like, how would you feel if we didn't have sex anymore? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. But I had that conviction yeah. um, to even bring it up, um, you know, and eventually like a year or two later, we ended up breaking up. But fast forward, I was still living a very, very bumpy Christian life because I hadn't read the word and I hadn't submitted to Jesus being my Lord, which is different from becoming a yeah, Christian totally. mm-hmm. in that you can go to church 
you can do all stuff, but submitting yourself to the leading of Jesus to die to yourself is another type of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So fast forward six years into Christianity, um, I went to law school for a year, decided that I did not want to be a lawyer. And that was the first time I experienced, I think, failure in terms of academia and ambition. And I turned to God this time and I said, okay, God, I am so sick and tired of questioning you, even as a Christian. I am willing to live my life by your word and believe every sentence that you say without a doubt, even what you say about no sexy for a marriage, about homosexuality. I'm just going to take that as fact. Mm -hmm. If you could give me the most adventurous life, I will live by your word. Um, I told them I don't do church as an institution. I I don't like to be put in the box. So I want adventure. And so I kind of made a deal with God that day. And I did. I started to read the word. I started to be convicted. And I stopped having sex. And I started fasting. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer. Because when I started to fast, I began to hear God way more clear. Um, I got direction for the first time. I think it was a three-day fast. And I felt God say he was leading me to move to Manhattan. And at that time, I was studying fashion. Like I was working in tech, which I love tech. Um, But I was dabbling in after-work classes in fashion design. And I started meeting people from New York and they're like, Amy, if you're really going to do fashion, you need to study at Parsons because that's the place to be. New York is the place to be for fashion, not San Francisco. I was like, I agree. And I started really praying into it. And lo and behold, six months later, a door opened. My company was opening up an office in Manhattan and they'd asked me to go there. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so I went to New York. I was now studying fashion design full-time at Parsons, working part-time for a tech company, um, living the life. And um, I got plugged into an amazing community of believers, really amazing women of God who operated in gifts of the Spirit. So these were women who spoke in tongues, who had been abstinent for a decade, who prophesy, who, yeah, just operate in their spiritual giftings. And that just opened up a whole nother realm to me. Um, And I ended up seeing the person who led me to Christ. But even though we were both believers, because I was so broken, I eventually led that relationship into dark places. And I remember when I was in Manhattan, I had told that person like, okay, we're either going to break up or move towards marriage because I just can't do this anymore. And um, instantly I heard God say an audible voice, let him go. And so immediately I let that person go cold turkey, no friendship at all. Someone I'd known for six, seven years. It was super hard. And then God started building me up supernaturally. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I started praying in tongues. Um, My gift of prophecy was activated. And the Lord led me, I was living in Manhattan, to a pageant. Um, 
I was connected somehow at an event to this organization called Miss Asian America. And I remember I was on stage um, hosting a fashion show and she had met me backstage and she said, you have amazing stage presence and I would love for you to represent Laotian Americans at a pageant called Miss Asian America. And I just like laughed. I was like, thank you for that compliment, but I'm actually 27 years old and I'm just three years shy of 30 Mm -hmm. and you do pageants when you're 19, not when you're 27. And she was like, oh, don't worry. 27 is a cutoff age. You're fine. I prayed. I fasted. had a lot of peace and favor about the decision. So I proceeded and, um, oh my gosh, I had never been judged from wearing a two-piece bikini before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pageantry was really gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like all your fears as a girl, yeah. but displayed on stage, yeah. Yeah. where <clears throat> for a few hours, a panel of judges judge you based on your personality, your persona, your looks, your mm-hmm. hair, mm-hmm. your skin tone every shallow thing possible um and I had to execute I had to perform in a way to get points um it is it's a horrible feeling so horrible I was so scared I remember before the curtains lifted I was praying in tongues the whole time but I did tell God that if I'm going to do this pageant it is for you it is to glorify you and it is to share who you are so I did I ended up like Bible thumping quite a bit. <laughs> I shared quite a few verses, you know, minister, shared the gospel with my roommate. Um, it was great. Um, so I ended up winning the pageant. Wow. Love this. And, you know, in a split second, my life had changed into like no one really knowing me to this kind of public platform mm-hmm. and really being known within my community. Because I was the first, you know, Laotian to to win this title, and the the news actually spread all the way to my country in Laos. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the most redemptive thing to happen because if you think about it, here was a girl who was robbed of purity from a young age, who believed a lie all her life that she was ugly, worthless, worth nothing. And God says, no, I'm going to bring you to an Esther moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling you that you're beautiful and you're worthy. But now you're going to know that it's not just me, but others believe that of you as well. And so, yes, God gave me a crown of glory when I became a believer, but he also gave me a crown on earth. Mm. Which was so healing and yeah. redeeming. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, remember what you said about how a way that you would make up for how bad you felt about yourself was being super competitive and, you know, wanting to be the best. So when you were in this pageant now, you were doing it for the Lord and you were doing it because you wanted him to be glorified. But at this point in your walk with the Lord, had you been completely delivered and set free from that place of wanting to be the best and wanting to win at everything and being ambitious? How was that dynamic for you, having that as a history and then being in an actual competition? Like, talk to me about, yeah, how did you navigate through that? I can't even tell you if it was black or white. 
I can't even tell the difference because competition had been so part of my nature. I can't tell when I'm operating in it. In my mind, I can tell you, no, I was operating out of excellence, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Only Jesus knows because my heart is wicked even today. (laughs) So I think that I did it for God. But the competitive drive was still there. Mm-hmm. Like I still brought my A game, yeah. but I feel like God will always use that. Mm-hmm. Like even in business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not the type of personality to kick back and relax. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do it? But now I am way more convicted that I don't want to hurt others. I don't want to cheat people. I don't want to manipulate. And that is the biggest thing. My drive will be there, but now I'm just more mindful of others. Yeah, so good, Amy. That is so good and so rich. And you're so right. Well, we like to hope that we have a pure heart and we like to hope that everything that we're doing is from that place of yieldedness before the Lord. Um, But really only he truly knows our heart and knows how deceived sometimes we can be, even when on the surface or as far as we are concerned everything we're doing is surrendered to the Lord but he ultimately knows our motives but then at the same time he's so gracious and kind that despite our motives he still uses us and still allows us to showcase his beauty and his glory um I love that you won. I love that you were able to reveal Jesus to so many people. And I love the redemption in that story. Um, how did you navigate through just the lifestyle of now having won that title in terms of guys, in terms of the social scene as a Christian now? How are you navigating through holding that title and stewarding it well whilst being a Christian? Was that a struggle? Yeah. So in terms of um, sexual purity, um, that was probably the strongest time of my life. Mm, And I think it was the purity and the hunger and the thirst and the fasting and the the purity of me just wanting God that actually led to that moment. Yeah. Um, And I was able to sustain that purity for a long time. Um, But the men came more. (laughs) They're everywhere. And now I was being exposed to more people of power. So I'm exposed to business people. I'm exposed to politicians. I'm getting invited to events, world events. And I'm seeing another type of darkness, very hidden darkness with power, money, and greed. I have had very, very dark, scary moments, but when it came to sexual purity, I was able to hold the line. Mm. Um, so that was great. I'm pretty sure, though, there was a lot of attention that pulled me away from the intimacy with God. Mm. Slowly, I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. It was the doing and the busy and the schedule and the speaking and the hair and the makeup and um, less and less and less of God. Um, and... Many years later, the Lord took me to Asia as a business missionary. What that really meant was I was just in the marketplace and whoever I met, I just shared the gospel with. Um, And I I didn't go under an organization. I just went there as the Lord led me. And I had a dark moment during that time because I had been now – absent for so long and waiting for a husband 
And, um, you know, I had received words about a husband since 2010. And by now it was 2004. So it's been four years of waiting and holding off and holding the line. And I remember in 2015, seven of my friends, close friends, got got married that year. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was so, I was happy for them, but I was so angry at God. Yeah. Wow. You know, I am 30, I don't know, something, 32, 33 by then. You gave me these promises. It's not happening. Yet my friends who are not even waiting on anything are just getting married so easily. And it broke me. Um, And I said, screw it. I had a dark moment. I said, screw it. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm just going to date and do whatever I want to get a husband. Um, and I started dating. And that's probably when I went back into promiscuity. But not in a sense that like I was sleeping around sure. like when I was younger. But I was just having sex with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it just like once I got back on that train, I just <laughs> couldn't get off. Yeah. And it was just one boyfriend after another and after another. And and I tried to date Christians, um, but it was it was difficult. So I ended up dating non-believers. And yeah, it was just a never-ending cycle. How did you then um, go from being mad at God and then, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to now not go down this path anymore. I'm going to start just having sex. How did that then pan out in terms of your sexual journey where did that end up leading to yeah so I am I'm 38 now and so (laughs) the idea of marriage is still very much on my mind and um I think it was just last year um in November I was seeking the Lord on a matter dealing with school and I was asking him a very specific question and what he said was I want you to let go of your lover. And I say lover because I was dating someone who was not a believer. Um, And we kind of both knew that it wasn't going anywhere, but we were just so tied. And so when God said to me, you got to let him go. And I had been in relationship with that person for a year and a half. And the Lord hadn't said anything. Mm. He just said, hey, you know where this is going. But he never said, like, cut it out. But by this time, he said, cut it out. Mm. and when I hear God speak I just kind of hop train right away um and I was I also knew deep down inside like this isn't going anywhere and if you really want to get married and have a godly relationship you gotta clear the air yeah so I did and I just um cut it off cold turkey and now I am healing from that, learning and growing and pouring into my heart, specifically in that area to really grow so that I can make a good decision when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What do you think it is, Amy? Like you said, you know, you'd been dating this guy for a year and a half and the Lord hadn't said anything to you. In your walk with the Lord, even if he isn't speaking to you, 
what is making you kind of have these relationships knowing that as a Christian that you know you're having sex outside of marriage how do you reconcile that how do you reconcile knowing that you're in a relationship with the Lord but then knowing that you're actually in sexual sin like what's going on in the inside of your heart as you're navigating this relationship unpack that for me yes the mess um there is <laughs> there is no reconciliation yeah. you're one foot in the kingdom and one foot out Mm-hmm. that's what it is and it's like if I could surrender every area of my life to God instantly I probably would but what I've noticed it doesn't work that way mm-hmm. what we do is we section off we're like I'll give you this but I'm not going to give you this that's one perspective or it could be like okay she's ready to let go of this but she's not ready to let go of mm-hmm. that yeah. and God still loves you And he's not going to give up. Mm -hmm. And I think God just wanted to teach me how to make good decisions. And that is always a choice. And my choices always have consequences. I chose to be with someone um, and other people for so many years living in sin. What blessings did I miss out on in all that those years? probably a lot Mm -hmm. that I'm just Mm -hmm. unaware of. Mm -hmm. So there were prices that I paid. I just don't know exactly how much, but there was no reconciliation. It's this turmoil. Um, And because you have the Holy Spirit in you, he's like, hello, hello. (laughs) You know, you know, you just know, but you're not ready to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like at the back of your head, just this niggle. Yeah, and also you kind of don't walk in authority mm-hmm. yeah. because you're compromising. Mm-hmm. So I can pray for people. I can do this. Am I going to see huge miracles? Maybe not because I'm, my life is compromised. Yeah, exactly. But the moment yeah. that I'm able to walk in purity, there's authority yes. in what you say yeah. and what you do and what you pray. Yeah. So it's not like a black or white mm-hmm. sinful thing God's going to like walk out on you. There's just less power, yeah. less authority, mm-hmm. and you're probably missing out on a whole lot of goodness. Yeah. It's an opportunity cost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Lord's grace is sufficient, but it's not an excuse to sin. There will be a consequence of the choices that you choose to make. You know, it's been the same for me as you. When I consider my history and the time I wasted living a hedonistic lifestyle, and I consider how I spent my 20s, and then I see all these amazing, like, you know, 20-somethings living wild for Jesus and going crazy for the kingdom. And so when someone says to me, oh my gosh, you've got such an amazing testimony, I always think, Yes, but in all those years, I could have been living at large for the kingdom, you know. So for me personally, when I consider someone who their story is that they faithfully followed Jesus all of their days and that they did great exploits because they knew their God, that is the stuff the sweetest dreams are made of. That, oh my gosh, that's your history? That you pursued God all of your days so yeah, I agree that the consequence of sin also involves like missed out opportunities, you know. Yeah. But God's grace is actually sufficient, even with that. Yeah. So how are things for you in this season? Because I can tell that God is doing a deep work in you. And I love how he's beginning to bring healing, even with the brokenness in your family, with your parents, and obviously this whole area of sexuality. And one of the reasons that I really wanted you to come onto the podcast and chat to me 
and share your story is because as Christians, we often want to like share a testimony once we get right on the other side and you know, we're healed and we're whole and then we're like, yeah, let me share my testimony. But actually, I love your story because we are in a moment in time where just like all of us, you're still a work in progress and the Lord is like redeeming so much and he's restoring so much and you get to share about it in the middle of it. Not because, you know, you've been walking in purity now for the last 15 years and, you know, now it's like, okay, I can share my story. But how you're able to share about God's goodness and his power and his kindness right in the middle of your process. So just to close, before I get you to share a little bit about your business, just talk me through this season. What's it like for you really just yielding to the restoration that the Lord is bringing in your identity, in your family, in your sexuality? Yeah, um... I often feel like whatever I'm experiencing, it's like um, a prophetic activity in in that I get to experience first and it's what he will do Mm -hmm. kind of overall. But what I have witnessed in this season is that every trauma and pain that I've experienced, the Lord is taking me into the eye of the storm. He's like, we're not going to side skirt it. We're actually going to go into the hurricane and we're going to relive it. But this time... I'm going to relive it with you and we're going to face it and we're going to experience every emotion that comes with that pain, hurt, sadness, depression. God gave us a range of emotions for a reason. And even if it hurts, he wants us to experience it all because it's a part of our walk on this earth as a fall. And this season though, what's different is He says, now that you have the courage to face the trauma and sit with the pain, I'm going to show you a different outcome. And I'll give you, I know that sounds really theoretical. I'll give you an example. Um, On Christmas Day, I was in my flat by myself and I decided to go um, to the park and journal. And there was an exercise that the Lord gave me and I was to identify Five behaviors that have prevented me from succeeding in life. Mm. And what is the story I tell myself um, about that behavior and what was the trigger of the behavior? So one of the things that was brought up was what I shared earlier, which is that I had a huge lack of love and affirmation um, from young and I made up for it with arrogance and pride and ego. And um, the source of that was not receiving it from my parents. And on that Christmas day, I remember by 8 p.m., I had not received one text message or phone call from my family to wish me a Merry Christmas. And I realized my parents had never called me on Christmas day and I was only able to realize it because I was in isolation and I had time to think about it because any other year I would have been throwing a fab Christmas party for someone else or, you know, attending my ginormous family's Christmas party. But because I was alone, I got to realize some things that were missing from my life. Mm -hmm. And I really grieved that evening for my childhood. And I just said, wow, all your life, you never had your parents wish you a Merry Christmas Mm -hmm. or spend time with you alone. I was like, that's really sad. 
And um, I said, well, you know what? You can either sit here in your sob story or you can grow up and reach out to them. So I text them, Merry Christmas, no reply. I called them, no one picked up. And that just like made everything worse. And I just started crying. And I was so upset. I messaged my parents and I said, ever since I've landed in London, and been under lockdown you've never once called to see how I am you didn't call to wish me a Merry Christmas but when you need something you definitely know how to call me and I said that's not okay that's not a healthy parent-child relationship and that was it and I remember the next morning I woke up and I called my dad because he messaged back Merry Christmas I'm sorry But when I picked up, he ended up mocking me for being such a crybaby, which made matters even worse. And I said, no way, God, you told me joy comes in the morning. It is now morning. Why am I still crying? This is not okay. No, 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 no. And so I get into my demanding mode and I'm like, you better love me right now because I need some love. I am lacking a whole lot of love right now. And I was like, I'm going to turn on worship music and it better be the kind that says you love me. (laughs) And I was like, and I'm going to open the Bible and it better be a verse about how much you love me. And what I was doing was it sounded like a temper tantrum, but I was turning to God for love mm-hmm. for the first time right. and I wasn't going to men and I wasn't yeah. going to someone else mm-hmm. or vices yeah. no matter how ugly it was I turned to God yeah. and when I did that moments later my mom called she wished me a Merry Christmas we ended up having our first 30 minute conversation never talked to my parents for that long wow And it was so healing, so redemptive. And it was like God saying, yep, we sat through a childhood trauma. All night you experienced the real pain that comes with it. Mm -hmm. But because you turned to me, I moved in your parents' heart. And I redeemed this. And now our relationship is so much better. They call me every other day. And this is what purification, this is what healing looks like. This is what spending time alone with God looks like. So I just wanted to say to people out there, if you are down in the rut and you don't understand why this is happening, it is an opportunity for God to do the craziest type of inner healing, the quickest that will bring so much fruit that you couldn't do on your own in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Amy, why don't you just pray into that right now? (laughs) Yeah, Lord. So I just pray for hungry and thirsty souls, Lord, that have been without community, Mm -hmm. that have been without the norm, that has been isolated and feeling so lost, not knowing when life will be normal anymore. And some have even become distant from you, God, and angry and upset that this is all happening and we're missing out on life. And yet you're saying, no, I created 
this space for you to draw close to me so I can purify you, so I can separate you from the world. So, Lord, I just pray for surrender right now. I pray for complete laying down of agenda, of desires and dreams, not because you don't want to give it, Lord, but because you want to bring holiness and purity into it. You want to bring every person to the point that has triggered so much hurt and pain. And you want to bring us back to revisit it, to triumph over what the enemy tried to destroy in all of our lives Mm -hmm. by facing it. Not by, you know, supernaturally healing it overnight, but by bringing us back to the pain and showing us that pain has no power over us. We are strong enough to experience it. And it is okay to let all of those types of emotions in and to sit in sadness and to sit in hurt and anger. But that you want us to also experience and surrender and give it to you and turn to you. Because you're the only person who can redeem our hurt, who can redeem the trauma. So Lord, I just pray for this surrender, for this purification, giving you everything we have, our heart, our mind, our body, our dreams, so that you can bring it into alignment of what you have for us in the coming era, Lord. Where you are taking us, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard. But we need to be purified. Because going there and operating from a high place requires such a pure heart Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't destroy us. You You are purifying us to elevate us, God. And that is the hope and that is the promise. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you for the hearts and the souls that are open right now, Lord God, to partnering with you. And for those who are not, who are just scared and terrified, I pray, Holy Spirit, for courage. Mm -hmm. That you would give them the strength and courage to know that they will not walk through the fire alone, but God is with them. And the other side is so beautiful. It is the life that you could ever ask for and more. Mm -hmm. But it takes dying to oneself and it takes the fire. There's no easy way out. Everything we do for the glory of God costs something. So Lord, I pray for strength and courage to pay the price, but to know that what is given back in return is that double anointing, that double portion Mm -hmm. that Job had when he went through the fire of having everything taken away. When Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, Lord, It was a purification of the heart so that he can be entrusted as a father of many nations. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us so much that you go through all the effort to customize our plan for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is so good. Um, 
So tell us about, yeah, your new business venture and then um, let us know how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, so um, part of this London Business School journey is um, uh, soon in um, spring, come April, we are launching our fashion tech line, my co-founder and I. Um, The brand is called London Valor. And valor stands for courage. And I prayed a lot about courage. And my life and all of our lives requires a lot of courage in order to walk through the fire. So that's what London Valor is about. It's about facing very difficult situations um, internally, emotionally, um, and being unafraid to face difficulty. Mm. Um, that is the value of the brand. Um, but we are designing smart bags. Um, my co-founder and I have been working in tech for so many years, and we were digital nomads kind of working remotely. And we would um, put our wires in just a toiletry bag, like unorganized, just dump it and shove it all in there. And so we're like, ah, oh, can we just get a beautiful organized bag that, you know, there's a pocket for everything. So um, our first product will be a tech pouch and everything we design will have some aspect of functionality to it. And ultimately um, we will be designing um, a backpack that is versatile, um, but it will have wireless charging, for your phone inside the bag. It will have GPS tracking in case you lose a bag, someone steals it, you leave it somewhere, which is tied to a mobile app um, and also distance notification. So like, let's say you're at a house party, you leave your bag somewhere and you forget if it's in the coat room or in a bedroom. Um, So just tech that makes a woman's life a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, a fashion tech line. So yeah, it's called London Valor. You can find us right now and follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. For myself personally, I also have a website called uh, Sharing Amy. You can find me on sharingamy.com. Amy is spelled A-M-Y. I'm also um, on Instagram with the same handle, Sharing Amy, on Facebook as well. And um, I do coaching. I do business and purpose coaching. So I usually help people either launch an idea or discover their purpose. Um, I also do marketing consulting as well. I help people with go-to-market strategy, digital marketing. Um, So yeah, just... Gosh, what don't you do, my love? Like, (laughs) wow, so good. So that is incredible, guys. You must um, support the vision of London Vela for sure. Um, And yeah, just to have fashion and function and fire, you know, all in one brand. How exciting. Um, So yeah, guys, go check out um, Amy's personal Instagram as well. Um, And actually, I can totally, yeah, vouch for the whole coaching thing. Because I remember the first ever time that we spoke. And um, I think maybe that morning or the night before, I had prayed to the Lord because I'd had this 
idea and I'd been giving it to the Lord and I'd been chatting to certain people about it. And then I remember saying to the Lord that I really want you to just bring me someone who can confirm the vision and just put more meat in it. And I literally ended up speaking to you, I think the next day. And Mm -hmm. even though that was the first ever time we connected, we ended up praying for one another at the end of the call. And you ended up praying over like this new business venture that I had in my heart. And it's Mm -hmm. like you prayed everything that I wanted to be vocalized and prayed out and you prayed such strategy such detail and it's like you were reading my mind as you were praying so guys if you need some coaching and you want someone with the heart of God and the the fire and the passion and the zeal and the courage of God and the love um definitely get in touch with this precious one Mm -hmm. because she will definitely pour heaven into your idea so Amy thank you so much for great Gracing this podcast with your presence. It's been such a joy to have you on. I've loved every minute of just hearing you share. It has been an absolute ball just <laughs> hanging out with you right here. Mm-hmm. I love your energy and just your vision. Um, I am behind every vision you have. And um, yeah, I also want to thank the people who are listening. Thank you for staying this long if you're still here. Um, I really hope you are blessed and like Bobby said, any way that I can help bring your dreams to life, that brings me so much joy just to see God's vision in people's lives launched. So amazing. So guys, you know what to do. You heard the handles, but I will obviously put them in the description box so you can reach out to this gorgeous one. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. You're beautiful